I I asked for suffering and heartache and emotion and I got it. Hello everyone, welcome back to Spill It. Hi, it's Sainthal here. Not like it's gonna be anyone new anytime soon. Um, but I just want to say hello and welcome back to another joyous episode um, of this podcast. I would consider this a special episode because um, I decided to go with a theme this month. Themes, yay. No, <laughs> not a theme, more like um, just a topic that I thought we should all discuss together and that is Pride Month and... I just wanted to see um, has anything changed in LGBTQ plus literature? Um, is there anything I need to look out for? What are we writing in terms of the LGBTQ plus community? Who is writing? Um, what is their representation? What are the things that we still need to talk about in society? that is reflecting in what we read and if I think of an overview of the books that I read this month it was really enlightening and also really um, uplifting and just generally a pretty joyous month. Um, Last month was not very good. (laughs) I just think the past couple of months I just me and this podcast have not been clicking But I'm glad that I'm back in full swing to get everything started and just be, you know, just totally in this journey together with you, whether you are actually reading books or you're just listening to me for some random reason. Um, But the story is, is that it didn't exactly, I didn't start this month thinking that I was going to be reading for Pride Month. I was going to be reading LGBTQ plus literature. I'm being totally honest when I say that I saw all of the posts. I saw everything on Instagram was going into into my eyes, into my eyeballs. And it was just, it was there. It just didn't click. It didn't click. I wasn't thinking, oh, Santhal, maybe you should, maybe you should read some sapphic literature, some, you know, just some, I don't know, whatever it was, you need to get into the spirit of Pride Month and see what is going on, because that is the point, isn't it? And it didn't, it didn't go out like that, guys. Don't, do not think that this was planned in any way, it was just a series of coincidences that just happened, and you will figure out how it happened as I go along into this month of the books that I read and you will realize as soon as you see that I read also the boy in the striped pajamas is just like slid into this podcast as well like a sore thumb sticking out you can tell that it wasn't exactly 100% uh planned this podcast um but you know, I hope you enjoy it. And you I hope you enjoy the story that I have to tell as I'm going through these books. The 
before we get into this month's reading list, I thought I would give a brief history of Pride Month and where it started, um, because it wouldn't be true to me if I didn't explore the historical aspects of why and how Pride Month came to be, and I didn't think it would be true to the podcast to not do some investigating. So I'm going to leave my reference in the podcast details if anyone wants to check it out because I'm only going to give a very rough preview of what Pride Month is. So Pride Month started off, um, how can I say this? It was, it's a commemoration of a set of um, protests and um commemoration of an uprising um, in the USA called the Stonewall Uprising. And what happened was, is that up until 1966, it is, it was considered illegal to serve alcohol to a gay person. Um, I do not know how they would be able to tell if a person is gay or not, I, I, I honestly don't know um, where the logic comes from. But they say here in this article, it's considered, where was it? It says, <laughs> it was so funny, I was like, what? They were saying, oh, um, these people were wearing gender inappropriate clothing. And I was like, uh, uh, okay, so gender inappropriate clothing is definitely the way to tell if someone is gay or not. Uh, thanks for that. Um, past humanity definitely understood so much. Um, anyway, and so it was illegal to serve alcohol to a gay person in New York City. Um, and so if someone wanted to go out, and be who they truly wanted to be and dress how they wanted to be. There were very few select number of places that they could go. And one of these places was the Stonewall Inn in New York City. And funnily enough, it was run by the Mafia because the Mafia really didn't care about who you loved and what you look like as long as they could get some money. Um, and so the Stonewall Inn was a popular place for people to go um, um, for crowds of the LGBTQ plus community. And that include, included um, drag queens, um, queer people, uh, people who wanted to dress differently than the norm and just be like free. And so the police one night were just doing a random check-in at the spa to like, you know, just as a random police, um, I guess you could say, uh, I don't know what the word is, police, um, I don't even know. Okay, so it says here that, um, they came with a arrest, a search warrant, because apparently they were selling 
alcohol illegally at the Stonewall Inn. And so they started interrogating people, speaking to people, and they could see that people were cross-dressing. So these people, like quotation mark cross-dressing, were the ones that they were targeting because they could see, oh, this person is gay. And I search. Yeah. Um, so and so they would go up to these people and interrogate them and obviously those people who they could like based on stereotypes and uh, homophobia were like these people definitely gay let's just arrest and interrogate them and so what happened was crowds of people started coming to the stonewall in um protesting against the police because they were arresting people um and so people came in mass amounts to protest against the unjustified arrests and interrogations. And this um, uprising spread throughout the city in New York and many more places um, across New York City and across uh the United States to protest what was going on and so the Stonewall uprising in 1969 which is the date um was considered the start of the LGBTQ plus liberation movement and then that was only further um what can I say built upon the following year in 1970 where people decided to commemorate the Stonewall Inn uprising as a step towards liberation and so over the years because people all over the United States started celebrating the Stonewall uprising and celebrating pride in the LGBTQ plus community, it kind of spread over multiple days, over weeks, because people decided to celebrate at different times. And so it over the years became what is known as Pride Month. And I just found that really fascinating. And because we kind of go about our daily lives and think about Pride Month and celebrate Pride Month about what it is today, but I thought it was good to acknowledge where it came from and how it started. Um, I did read in this article that because of um, the liberation movement and because there's often parts of history that is kind of left unsaid and unspoken of um, in history um generally there are like groups of people that within even this not minority i would say but even in this small lgbtq plus community willing to step out and speak truth to power there are still marginalized groups like in the stonewall uprising it said that people who were lesbians, drag queens, queer youth and transgender and gender non-conforming people and their roles 
in the uprising were generally like looked over at despite being the most victimized out of everyone else especially if you were a woman at the time you were already marginalized just for your gender um even if you didn't speak about your sexuality out loud and just the fact that these people were speaking out despite their vulnerability was so important yet it says here that they were mostly forgotten despite being the most easily targeted and that's why i think it's so important that we on this podcast acknowledge those people and celebrate those people today and the hardships that people of the lgbtq plus community still go through on a daily basis and so it is so important that we read books about this because here we like to educate ourselves so before i go on a very emotional rant um again let's get into the books we have to read for this month the first book i read this month is Baxter's Requiem uh, by Matthew Crow. I feel like Requiem is just one of those words um, I distinctly remember in high school. I spent a lot of time reading and because I spent a lot of time reading, I would come across words that, you know, you don't really use in real life. And I think Requiem is one of those. And so... I'm just embarrassed I've been saying it wrong because there's a high chance that I have been because out of all the words that I mention in high school around my friends after reading them in books, I always manage to get them wrong, the pronunciation wrong. Um, It's not that much of a big deal, but it's just, you know, just one of those things I'd really rather avoid so if i'm saying it wrong please ignore me and we can never speak about the pronunciation of the title ever again but anyway so baxter's requiem is about this 94 year old man called baxter who fell down his stairs at his house and he has to go and stay in the melrose gardens retirement home while he's getting better um and while he's there he kind of realizes that you know this is this is it this is the end of his life not to sound morbid or anything um but he's reaching like the end of his life and he's kind of thinking about the people in his life and his regrets um and while he's in Melrose Gardens retirement home he meets this boy named Greg who's like recently had a recently lost a family member um and is kind of really suffering with the grief um in terms of him being like not nihilistic I would say but he kind of feels like there's no point to going to school to moving on to like basically going on with his life he's kind of stuck and so it kind of follows the story of Baxter and Greg kind of meeting and how their lives intersect and 
all the people that they meet along the way. And Baxter is trying to convince Greg because he faced similar losses in his life, being as old as he is. And he wants to show Greg that you can't just give up now when it's just the beginning. Um, the story is really sweet and heartfelt and really nice, a very comforting book to read. It is cliche in some parts, like using overused metaphors and um, personifications and similes and stuff like that. And also there are some moments where you're kind of like, yes, the beauty of life is amazing. Yes, I get it. But like, you know, you don't have to say it all the time. You know, it's like kind of that overwritten, um, how do I say, positivity or overused um, kind of looking optimistically at everything even though to be frankly honest it's a pretty trashy experience um, so those parts were a bit uh, for me I was like mm. and as I said before I didn't realize that this was had a um an LGBTQ plus romance in it. I didn't know until I started reading it. And it actually says at the back. Um, but it just went over my head. I didn't really realize until I read the book and finished it. And um, in terms of that, uh, they kind of, they go into like some sort of detail about um, like almost how being in a relationship with another man um Baxter faced kind of like those um what I wouldn't say biases and then the law was also still going on at the time because when Baxter fell in love with um this man he it was still like I think World War One or two, and it was still illegal at that time. So there is discussions around it, and it does come up towards the ending, um, about the criticism and the hatred. If I'm being totally honest, that people, um, of the community faced at that time was, it is written about, but you don't necessarily like feel it it's more like oh yeah it's bad yeah like not to say that it wasn't like a horrible experience but the way it was written almost felt like like how I learned about things in history all of those tragic incidents there's a part of you that's sad but it's almost separated from it and so I didn't feel that connection with the experience some of the experiences in the book because of that over optimism thing and because it wasn't like written in a way that really captured um my feelings I could say um it was really nice to read about an older audience because it's very rarely that I ever get to read about a character that's like over 50 and that's kind of like sad because there is so much that you'd probably want to ask someone who has experienced a life longer than yours 
Like, you wouldn't go up to your grandparents and be like, you know, you, you're pretty old. How's, how's life been? How are you feeling about mortality? You don't go, you don't do that. That's just no, just don't do that. Um, do not do that to any person. Um, but it's, that's why we read books to maybe explore those ideas. And it's very rarely that I've read a character that contemplates on their life in a fiction setting and that they're an older character. Um, If you are interested in something like that and you've read Baxter's Requiem and you want to read something like that, I really enjoyed Less by Andrew Seen Greer. Um, It's a bit harder to get into, uh, Less. It's... um, a bit more complicated in terms of the writing style compared to Baxter's Requiem. Um, and it's also very kind of subtle and ambiguous. But I think it is um, a better novel that asks those questions. Um, well, overall, in terms of Baxter's Requiem, I would have hoped for more of the emotive side of things because it's we discuss grief and love and conflict there isn't a lot of conflict in Baxter's Requiem there isn't there is a little bit between Greg and one of his family members and that was really interesting to read about but it didn't like all of the feelings that you would want to feel to understand what the characters were going through kind of didn't reach over into um, me as a reader as much as I would have hoped to. Overall, it was a really, really enjoyable novel. It did touch on the reality of the LGBTQ plus community to some extent, but I didn't get it as much as I would have liked to. Um, I don't know what I rated this book. I think it was four out of five. But like now that I think about it, it's more like a three and a half. But I'm just being mean. But I really enjoyed it. So let's just leave it at four, I think. So I went back and checked and I did rate Baxter's Requiem three out of five. And yeah, I can't, I do agree with the rating. But if you want to listen to something, I mean, read something fun and cute, not cute, heartfelt, then I would still recommend it. Um, The next book I read was Boy in the Striped Pajamas by John Boyne. Boyne. I think that's how you say his name. It's Hope. So I'm not going to go too much into the synopsis because... The back of The Boy in the Striped Pajamas is quite a unique um, quite a unique blurb that I don't think you see often. Um, so I'll just read the back because I don't want to spoil anything too much. And then I'll go into some detail about what it is. So the story of The Boy in the Striped Pajamas is very difficult to describe. Usually we give some clues about the book on the cover, but in this case we think that would spoil the reading of the book. We think it's important that you start to read without knowing what it is about. If you do start to read this book, you will go on a journey with a nine-year-old boy called Bruno, though this isn't a book for nine-year-olds, and sooner or later you will arrive with Bruno at a fence, 
Fences like this exist all over the world. We hope you never have to cross such a fence. So, I don't know how much I want to say about it, but it is about World War II. So, I think I can say that because of the fact that no nine-year-old can read it. It's got some very heavy themes, and you will not grasp the full... You will not really get the entire experience of the boy in the striped pajamas unless you're at least knowledgeable about World War Two or or around sixteen years old, I could say. Um because because of that because <laughs> the reason being that you can't really read the novel at nine years old is because it's being told from the perspective of a nine-year-old. And you could say to some extent that what that means is that Bruno is kind of an unreliable narrator in this novel. Um, So he doesn't understand certain things. The way that he processes things is like a nine-year-old. So what happens is that you as the reader have to put in your own knowledge and your own understanding into the novel to kind of create like a parallel narrative of what's going on because Bruno only experiences and understands things to a certain extent and he cannot understand fully everything that's going on Um, and there are some points because Bruno is an unreliable narrator in a sense and because he's a child um Boyne is really good at creating this atmosphere of childlike curiosity and the mind of a child by using clever literary devices like um, repetition, the misspelling of words. The misspelling of words is a big one in this novel. Um, Then also misunderstanding. Because Bruno is a child and he doesn't know all of things, but also because of the circumstances he is in there is like a limitation to what he can understand is going on around him and of the circumstances going on at that time and so Boyne is so clever in doing this because the I had so many strong reactions to what Bruno was thinking because there's this naivety and um misunderstanding and you just kind of want to shake him and be like no that's not what's going on and that's why I thought it was so clever to write it in terms of a child's perspective because to be really honest when we read about a really terrible period in history especially World War II because this is the second novel that I've read where a child's perspective is used to teach really terrible tragedies in history. The first one is The Book Thief, and the second one is The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Um, And what happens is, is if you give the narration to a child, it kind of makes it so much worse because there's the sense of powerlessness, um, the sense of naivety, the sense that you don't have control over anything going on in the story and 
the way that Bruno misunderstands made me so frustrated and irritated that I kind of wanted to reach in and, you know, shake him because, um, because he was wrong and, um, and I knew it, but because I wasn't there and because of the circumstances around him, there's also this like secondary reaction where you're like, no, it's not his fault. He's nine years old. The society he lives in, he's a product of that. And that's why I thought this book was so clever in bringing the ideology of World War One and the circumstances and the privileges of World War, I mean, World War Two, it like emphasized what happened in a way that I thought was so unique. Um, and that's why I gave this book five out of five. I hope I didn't go into too much detail, but it is truly a novel that you will not forget because the ending is is something else. So I just, it is just one of those books that you have to read to understand. If you want to read another book that is similar and is honestly one of my favorite books of all time, it's The Book Thief. So I'm going to reread The Book Thief sometime soon. And when I do, guys, be ready for it. Be ready for it. Okay, um, so I rated The Boy in the Striped Pajamas 5 out, of 5 out of 5 because it was so good. I This is actually the second time that I've read it. And now that we've gotten this to this point, I think we should bring in the idea of having a Pride Month um, themed book review and how it came about. So I realized that I read an LGBTQ plus novel when I read um, The Baxter's Requiem. And as I was reading Boy in the Striped Pajamas, well, when I finished it, I was like, huh, it's Pride Month, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, it, it just didn't click until I finished the book. And I'd been given a novel by my cousin that I apparently lent to him. And I don't remember lending it to him at all. And he never read it. He was like, here, yeah, I'm never going to read it. So just have it back. And so I realized that as I was looking to my cupboard, because I was looking to read another book for the month. And then I realized, wait, this novel is a has an LGBTQ plus romance in it. And I was like, damn, wait a minute. That means I would have read, if I read this book... I'll read two, and if I buy the fourth book and make it, you know, another one, then I can have a Pride-themed book review. And I was like, damn. And that's why I have a random Boy in the Striped Pajamas novel in here, because I didn't, it didn't click. All of the Instagram posts, all of the messages, all of the um, cool Pride-themed adverts that people seem to only want to give out in pride month um all of it finally clicked in my head and i was like okay i'm gonna read this book now and that book is will grayson will grayson by john green and david leviathan i have a very interesting history with john green i have read a a lot of his novels 
And I didn't, I don't know why, because I don't actually like John Green. All of, most of the novels that I've read by him, I'm like, mm, no. Like, I re, like, I hated Paper Towns and Looking for Alaska. Like, don't even, I can tell you why, but it's going to take a while. And I'd rather not get into that right now. And so I didn't really like John Green. There were some books that I really enjoyed that were like, funny and cute and I was like this is great because his characters are really interesting compared to like most of the novels I was reading at the time but like I don't even know yeah yeah I just have a very complicated relationship with John Green and sometimes I just wanted to throw his books out the window I think I donated both of the novels that I didn't like of his because I was just like this this man, no, no, don't write like this, don't be like this, um, and so I was a bit hesitant to read Will Grayson, Will Grayson, because I was like, "Mm, it's gonna be the same, isn't it, um, so basically Will Grayson, Will Grayson is about two boys named Will Grayson who meet each other at a point in their lives, um, and they have completely different lives, um, the first Will Grayson that we meet, I assume is written by John Green because he has kind of the same character style as, um, I think, I think what, what I don't remember what novel was, but his characters are very funny and weird and, um, it kind of very similar in a sense. So I could tell which one was his and that Will Grayson, um, doesn't have any friends anymore because he stood up for his best friend Tiny who is not Tiny and he's described as being ginormous which I assume means he's chubby or fat and that's referenced many times in the novel like 500 times um and Tiny is like this really loud um eccentric um character who has like a boyfriend every single day so he's like this really like quite I don't know how to describe it extravagant character and Will is friends with him and it kind of Will is Will and him is just like friends and then the other Will is uh clinically depressed and he his so it's split between these two narrators and the difference is is that um you can kind of tell that they're similar in some some sense um but you can't really tell because what the authors did was they made the second Will Grayson the depressed one um have like really bad grammar and spelling and so the the chapters are written with bad spelling and grammar, like almost like an, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> so kind of to really separate, like cut through the center of the differences between the two characters, because I feel like if they didn't do that, then I would find a lot more similarities between the two, because both of them have this kind of, kind of funny, like they're funny in their heads when they, when you read it, they have like, quips and they're witty and you kind of get that in the novel 
And at the beginning of the novel, I was kind of really hesitant about, um, hesitant about the book because I felt like both walls, walls, walls were very two-dimensional characters. I couldn't see um, whether the story would develop them further because they both had problems um, with themselves as characters that you clearly saw needed a bit of a push in the right direction um but also like the way that they were written in the beginning almost made them feel like they couldn't change so in terms of um will who was friends with tiny at the time kind of has this view on life at where he has no agency within himself and he kind of fits himself into the stories of other people um to an extent um and so there was kind of that and then will grayson the one with the funny font <laughs> um I don't want to say depressed Will Grayson because that that would just be okay. I'll just say that because it's true. Um, then depressed Will Grayson almost felt like he had his life was only being depressed. That was that. That was it. That was there was nothing more to him as a human being except that he was like depressed and like he hated everyone and everything in his life. And I was like. I don't know if that was it's a good representation of someone who is clinically depressed, but I was concerned about where it would go from then in terms of him as a character. Then I also noticed this thing that teen fiction authors seem to do, where they would write lines like everyone is like in a play or a movie and they know just the right things to say at the right time. Usually with, like, fantasy novels, they use see, like, telling rather than seeing. So you kind of fill in those normal gaps of conversation and interactions with more, like, how you read a person. Because most of the time when you have a conversation, it's, like, it's written in a way where you're having a conversation, but you get most of the information from what people are doing and feeling and their habits and stuff. And what happens in teen fiction novels is that you get most of that, what the authors do is you, they put it in the dialogue. So I kind of felt like everyone was speaking to each other like they were in a play, even though there's references to not knowing what to say to one another and kind of, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but I still felt like I was like, yeah, no, normal people don't do this. Normal people don't do this. No, no, no. Normal people don't have witty comments to give. They don't have perfectly co coordinated lines the perfect things to say, conversations about things, and then also like um, the way that John Green writes is kind of like kind of like brushing over things. Like, just it felt like you were having a conversation, and it was just 
going well, regardless of how bad the conversation was. And I always had this thing that would get off my nerves when I was right when I was reading teen fiction. Um, and I only notice now because I've read different types of novels. And I was so worried. At the begin the first half of the novel, I was convinced I was gonna give this book a two, a two, straight up. I was gonna be ruthless, I was gonna be mean, but for some reason, the novel got better. Like it it was like an exponential graph where it was increasing my like I actually like was increasing my interest in it as I was going along. And at the end of it I rated it four out of five because most of it was because the characters truly did develop as people. Usually when I read novels about romance um, or um, relationships, there is the eventuality of the people getting together, um, but they don't change as individuals through the conflict and through the discussions and the kind of um, hardships that they go through. Whereas in this novel, I felt like they were actually reflecting on things that were happening and understanding who they are and how people in their lives impact them. And there's just, there's two conversations that come to mind. Um, one of them is Will and his dad. They have this conversation that just brings tears to my eyes. Um, and then also another one with Tiny and Will, both Wills. Both wolves have a conversation with Tiny that is just so... I actually felt the real human beings behind the people in the novels. For some reason in teen fiction novels, there's this thing about parents. Where you either have a parent that doesn't exist, or like is like deeply flawed, or doesn't support their children. Whereas in this novel, I really, really enjoyed the relationships that people had with their parents. Because you're teenagers, you live in your parents' house, you have discussions with them, they are people you interact with every single day if you're living there. And they have like literally no representation in teen novels. And in this one, they actually, actually stepped up and included the parents in the novel. So I really like that. And that's why I rated it four out of five. Because of the beginning, the beginning was not good. I was like, no way. This is just not my thing, but I was actually powering through the novel. And it's actually quite a, like, a big novel, and I finished it really quickly. So that's a real testament to how much I enjoyed it. In terms of Pride Month and LGBTQ plus representation in Will Grayson, Will Grayson, it does have a relationship between... Um, two of the characters, um, I won't say anything about who it is, because that would be a spoiler, um, but it doesn't really go into depth about, um, the discussions on being someone in the LGBTQ plus community, and your experiences, and how it is to be someone like that, it was kind of almost already established at the beginning of the novel, um, I didn't really, the one of the things that I wanted to get 
out of reading um, LGBTQ plus novels at the beginning of this month was to kind of get a better understanding of the experiences, both good and bad. And I didn't feel like I was getting the true deep, like really where you focus on the individualities of this person and see how do they not adapt, but how does the world treat them as someone who is not, not, I don't want to say not like anyone else, because every time I think about that, I think about she's not like other girls. Uh, Okay, more like how do you, how do people feel living in a society that doesn't fully accept the extent of themselves or who they are as a human being? And because we only like to hear about the success stories of um, relationships and of people who came out and were happier after or people who are living better lives afterwards. But we don't really discuss what it truly feels like. I didn't, I don't get, I'm not getting that side of it yet um, in the novels that I read so far. And so... I was kind of looking for that when I went to look for the fourth book, but also I was looking for a sapphic romance. Now, I didn't know what sapphic meant because, um, well, I didn't know. I had an idea of what it meant, um, but um, I didn't know why people used it as a term instead of a lesbian romance because that's what it normally is. And apparently, so what sapphic means is it unites... um, people who identify as female, I think, if I went onto the right side to look for this, as people who identify as female and also people who love other females, who all, ones that identify as feminine. And so um, it kind of is like a category called sapphic in terms of literature. I've only ever heard two booktubers use it. I'm desensitized to saying booktubers because I have no embarrassment anymore. Um, But booktubers use the word sapphic when they're describing a romance between two women or two girls. And so that's what I'll use because, I don't know, that's just what it is. And also because I found... The reason that I was looking for a sapphic novel was because there is so little that I've read. I've actually never read a sapphic romance novel ever. It's always between two boys or two men. Um, And I think that, you know, because we are here to discuss obscure and uh, unseen literary genres, I thought it's important that I went and looked for a good sapphic romance to kind of talk about the fact that there is very limited numbers of sapphic romances that are popular because I don't even know ones that are popular. Um, All the books that I have read um, don't include um, relationships between two women or two girls or, um, or even transgender experiences or non-binary experiences. I've yet to come across those novels. So I think we need to also read stuff like that that is more obscure as well in terms of 
if I really wanted to go into a deep dive of literature in Pride. And next year in June, I hope to do that because I have gotten a very long list of those now that I've gone searching in the web um, to do so. And as a result of those searches, I found the novel Her Name in the Sky. Her Name in the Sky by Kelly Quindlin. I, I asked for suffering and heartache and emotion and I got it. And I got it in a way that I didn't want. <laughs> I was heartbroken reading Her Name in the Sky. Heartbroken. It is heart-wrenching and it will make you suffer in ways that I cannot describe. It is... But I do feel like it's an important book to read if you want the full understanding of someone who has to face themselves in a society that doesn't want them for who they truly are. Um, so it follows the story of Hannah, um, this girl in a very small Catholic community and her relationship with Baker, her best friend. And she kind of realizes early on that she loves Baker more than a friend. And it follows, sorry, my house is like already noisy again. And there's cars here and it's Sunday and it never is busy. But, you know, let's just accept the irritating sounds and noises that there is in this house. Um, anyway, and it kind of, because Hannah is in this really small Catholic community, she's almost been indoctrinated to believe certain things and certain ideas. I certainly don't believe um, Catholicism, Catholicism, Catholic, ca the Catholic religion it has anything to do with hate. I don't believe any religion truly has the capacity for hate in them, in their ideas. But the way that religion has been used, it is used against people in the LGBTQ plus community. It's used as an argument against them in the world we live in now. Not all people who believe in these religions or who practice these religions agree with the ideas that have been used from them. Nor do I say that any of the ideas that are against the LGBT plus community are even in existence in those religions. I wouldn't know. I'm not really an expert on religion and um, its place in society. But it is a fact that religion plays a large part in acceptance and rejection of people who are coming out. And because of this, Hannah faces immense anguish and heartache and rejection of herself and who she is and how she feels and it kind of causes the deterioration of her life um, within her friends, uh, within her community, within her family and you kind of see that this anguish spreads everywhere it goes um, and the way that it's portrayed is absolutely heart-wrenching um there is this 
there are scenes in the book where Hannah just sees herself in a way you would never want another human being to see themselves. But it did give me a glimpse of the things that I wanted. I wanted to see how a person would feel in terms of a circumstance where the world is telling you that you are wrong, that you are broken, quotation marks, that you don't belong or you need to be fixed. And we need to discuss the stories that aren't necessarily successes, where the community in which you live will reject you, will not accept you for who you are. In Will Grayson, Will Grayson and Baxter's Requiem, we almost see the characters as separate from those things, that it doesn't affect them as much, or they kind of moved past that phase of coming out to be who they truly are. Whereas Hannah is going through that at the moment, and it really did, in the best way possible, bring that suffering to the front lines to say, this is what it truly is. Um, and this is how it felt at the time. And I really appreciated it. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to someone who has not yet come out yet. It will trigger you 100%. I... I have never, like, I cried three times. Yoshi, my word, that was a hectic novel to read. Um, though I'm, to, to be totally honest, I did rate it three out of five. And there's a very big reason. At the beginning of the novel, I had straight up Wattpad fiction flashbacks. I'm not embarrassed to admit this, but I'm embarrassed at the same time. I used to read Wattpad. And... This was like a cookie cutter example of the beginning of literally every romance on Wattpad ever when it was like a big deal where Hannah and her friends are in this like really close knit group um, again with the perfect conversations like in John Green um, where everyone just knows the right thing to say and they all have these like great stories about going out and partying and you know having fun and I'm not a hater, I'm not, like, anti-party, anti-alcohol, um, idealist or anything, I just, I just, it wasn't for me, um, but it was, like, coming right, right in your face, kind of, like, feelings, and then everyone was, like, everything was just so perfectly placed in where everyone's role is, and everyone had, like, this distinct, Wattpad fiction personality I don't know how else to describe it because like that is literally all that I was thinking about as I was reading the novels like I I'm getting flashbacks to back then and um so at the beginning of the novel I was like mm, I don't know about this this seems really not my thing um one because of the fact that I just don't find anything interesting in the lives that they lived my high school experience was 90% me stressing about work and 10% stressing about friends. Um, so, like, I didn't really get the um, party, alcohol, party, alcohol, boyfriend thing that was going on there. And the typical boyfriend, girlfriend thing is one of the themes discussed in the novel to a great extent, I would say. 
um, mostly on Hannah because she reflects on it a lot about how her life would be so much easier if she just fell in love with the boy. Um, and I cannot tell you how absolutely liberating it is to read a novel like Hannah's because it's you can tell that it's so raw and truthful of what the emotions that they were feeling at that time and it is so I could feel everything that she was going through and after that novel I've never wanted more than to reach out to every single human being who has never come out or is scared of coming out or is scared of being who they truly are I've never wanted to hug anyone as much I was thinking about um all of my friends who came out in high school or came out to me and I would think about them and I, I never got, I never really said these things to them but I because like you kind of want to not say anything that's like oh my gosh this is such a big deal or you don't want to say like oh we knew because like you can't say those things and you kind of like my brain kind of malfunctions and I go like oh okay <laughs> congratulations but I've never wanted to say, you know, reach out and say, you know, anyone who's ever told you that you are not worthy or you're a sin or you're broken and you need to be fixed. And I never wanted to reach out more to people and say that those people are wrong. And anyone who ever tells you that using religion or falsehoods or um, just being mean because they cannot accept you for who you are. I've never wanted to reach out to every single human being feeling like that in the world and just like give them a hug. And I was just like, now I understand why so many people just ignore that part of themselves, ignore who they truly are so that they don't have to go through that suffering and the process that Hannah had to go through. Um, I did rate the book 3 out of 5 because, one, at the beginning, I was getting that strong, you know, Wattpad fiction flashback thing. And I was like, nope, no, 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 not for me. Um, but also because I kind of, like, wanted Hannah to, what, how do I describe it? The way that they portray religion towards the end of the novel, I have, like, questions about. Um, because Hannah goes through this, like, process of thinking about all of these things, I kind of was, like, wanted more of that towards the end because I didn't feel like it was really explored to the full extent that it could have been explored. Um... Then also, I kind of felt like um, the there wasn't enough diversity in terms of that religious perspective. Um, there was there was diversity in showing that religion is not a what how do I describe it? Religion is, as you can see, it can be used as a tool to separate and to deny people of who they really are but it can be a way to bring people together but at the same time I thought that the novel could use some more religious diversity if they wanted to bring 
this very religious discussion because there is a lot of talk about um, religious topics. So if you're not Catholic or Christian, then it would be a kind of a bit um, less appealing to you as a reader. But I did enjoy the fact that it was talked about in great detail and... I did enjoy the novel as a whole. It's just some things were just off-putting for me. The All the three stars is just full-on absolute love for the way that it was discussed and the extent and the depth that I really wanted. But I had to take away... Oh my gosh. I did. Sorry. I just don't know what's going on outside. I just had to take away two stars because I couldn't that those parts weren't just clicking, weren't clicking with me that much. And that's it for this month's book review. Um, as I'm thinking back on all the books I've read, I'm kind of um, realizing that the type of books that I read were very narrow in terms of how many perspectives <coughs> how many perspectives um i decided to read from and that's mostly because i didn't really go looking for different perspectives like having a book on someone who is transgender or non-binary or something that um is a bit like more having a bit more variety in terms of the books i read for Pride Month, and I do know there's actually quite a few of them that I took note of from various um, sources that people have talked about, and also books that include other genres like fantasy or just having a bit more variety in terms of the books I've read in the LGBTQ plus community and who I decided to read on and then also maybe branching out of um, the very focused books that I've seen this month that I seem to see um, and just try and diversify what books I read in next year's um, Pride special that I might have and yeah so I'm really looking forward to that and I will continue reading um books that are more diverse in representation um as I try and look through all of these obscure novels that I'm getting and trying to obtain and so I'm really happy that all of you could join me on this little journey that I decided to go on. When I say that, it makes me sound like I'm a yoga instructor. You know how they say, thank you for being here today. Oh gosh. <laughs> anyway, thanks everyone. I'll see you next month.